Welcome to the 44th episode of the Turf Talk Young Turfs podcast, powered by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason the Intern Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And this week's episode is brought to you by Watercrafters. In Gaithersburg, Maryland, Watercrafters has been providing swimming pool services and supplies to the Montgomery County area for the past 35 years. Watercrafters' highly skilled service staff can open and close your pool as well as provide new equipment installations, repairs, and weekly service. The Gaithersburg Retail Showroom has everything for your swimming pool, including chemicals, parts, and fun accessories. Visit Watercrafters Retail Showroom in the Gaithersburg Air Park or online at watercrafters.com. And now for the Terrapin Rundown. Christy Tolliver was named a WNBA All-Star for the second time in her career while playing for the Washington Mystics. Longtime Terp faithfuls remember she hit the game-winning three-pointer against the against Duke in the 2006 National Championship for the women's team. Good to see a Terp in any All-Star game. Speaking of Terps playing well professionally, Jake Lehman and the Portland Trailblazers won the Summer League, but the MVP still went to the Lakers' Josh Hart. Well, Jake Lehman played fantastic for the Trailblazers, but Josh Hart played out of his mind. Hopefully, the Lehman can finally get on the court in their actual season. Ed Ogeron called bringing in Matt Canada, the new Terps offensive coordinator, a mistake. Well, there's a lot of context around this at SEC Media Day, but Matt Canada uses a lot of motion and kind of trickery type things, and Ed Ogeron did not like that. That's kind of what it boils down to, in my opinion. I mean, Ed Ogeron's kind of a straightforward guy, not, not much trickery going on there, just really wants to slam the ball down your throat and run simple plays. Uh, well, hopefully it'll work out well for us, but... Matt Canada, as we well know, has a history of getting in some spats with coaches. Yeah, he knows offense, and he wants to execute his offense. And with a defensive-minded coach like DJ Durkin, I'm sure that might work fine. It could. Um, moving through the list, Stefan Diggs won the award as the Miracle of Minnesota was voted as the SB Moment of the Year. Yeah, that's always nice to see. I mean, Stefan Diggs making big things happen. Kind of putting Maryland football back on the map a little bit. Hopefully, DJ Moore will help further that. Well, you know, that was definitely, in my opinion, the biggest play of the year in any sport. And as far as America goes, that was simply one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. And it's great that was a Terp moment. So I don't think many of you have noticed this, but we have seen another change to the Maryland football jerseys. Maryland football took their pictures this week. A lot of the guys putting up their pictures, especially DJ Turner, where you can see that on the top of the shoulder right Going on the pad, a number has been added on. I like it. I really feel that they needed it. Some of the numbers have been really hard to look at. Hopefully this will help. Well, this jersey is definitely on the plainer side from what we've seen from Maryland, in my opinion. It's mostly red with just some flag kind of decals on the shoulder. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you saying? This is a new uniform. They've been wearing this. They just added a number onto it. Are you sure about that? Because I think definitely there's less flag on this one. No, there's the same amount of flag. It's Pride 2.0. All right, I guess if you'll say, you say so, I think it looks plainer in my opinion. The shade of red also looks a, bit, a little bit different. Well, the lighting, everything changes that. It's It might be a t- touch lighter, but not much to say there. Three Maryland basketball numbers have been changed. Daryl Morsell moves from 10 to 11. Joshua Tomajic from 33 to 0. And Andrew Terrell from 24 to 4. New player Schneider Herod, the Mississippi State transfer to wear number 22. Aaron Wiggins, number 2. Jalen Smith, number 25, Trace Ramsey, number 24, Cyril Smith, number 10, and Eric Ayala, number 5. 
The only really interesting one, in my opinion, is Eric Ayala wore number two in high school and three in AAU, and he decided to combine them into number five. Other than that, nothing much to see here, I guess. Tomajic wearing number zero, zero, not really too much of a Maryland number, as no one in the Gary Williams era wore the number, and then Charles Mitchell, for a short stint, wore it at Maryland. Well, oh, and Anthony Cowan, Cowan also. And Sean Obie. Um, All the number changes are filling in spots that were previously unavailable because of other players. But other than that, I mean, it's good to see that we're making progress, I guess, but they're not nothing special, I guess. I don't know. And the last thing on this week's list, Alex Len to join Kevin Herter with the Atlanta Hawks on a two-year $8.5 million deal. He is overpaid. No, he is not. He played a little bit above the minimum. Maybe he's a little overpaid, but a team like the Hawks, given one of the worst teams in the league last year, will have to overpay players to keep them or to get them. No, I think they're just trying to reach the cap floor, which is a minimum amount you can you have to spend as an NBA team. They just need someone to fill that void so they don't get fined by the league. That and some other things. Well, he's also a Terp with Kevin Herter, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah, that gives us a team to watch a lot like the Panthers will be in the NFL. I hope so. He's definitely going to play, especially since um, the Hawks moved out Mike Muscala, another center, earlier this week. So maybe he'll start, but it's not going to be anything... They're not going to be, they might be fun to watch, but they're not going to win a lot of games in Atlanta. I'll agree with that. Moving on to this week's bigger topic. It's time to start talking about football, Jordan. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but practice starts soon, and I guess we need to kind of get into football season, don't we? Yeah, 41 days till Texas, 41 days till September 1st. Texas is obviously going to be looking for revenge, but there are still a lot of questions for Maryland themselves. Yeah, I think, of course, the biggest question is going to be the quarterback situation going into next year. So, I guess our, we should start a football preview off with, who's going to be taking snaps next year, Mason? To me, it's obviously going to be Kasim Hill. Kasim Hill fits better into Matt Canada's system. Matt Canada puts guys onto the pros. We're talking Danny Etling, Nathan Peterman. Oh, the venerated Nathan Peterman. Throw her five receptions in one half. Look, but we're talking about pro-style quarterbacks that can drop back, they can play in the pocket, they're comfortable driving the ball downfield, really making throws and playing the position of quarterback, not playing the position of an athlete quarterback. I agree that Kasim Hill certainly fits Matt Cannon's system better, but I would not rule out Piggy yet because we know he can make the throws downfield. I don't know if he can do them accurately. I don't know. Well, yes, he does have an arm, but is it accurate enough? Probably not. He's a good player. So are you ruling so, No, no, I'm not ruling him out. He does have a chance. He's a veteran guy. He's played more games, taken more snaps. But it looked like in the few practices we saw during the spring that he was struggling. Well, he wasn't even playing, which is going to set him back, too, because he obviously is not an under-center Well, neither guy. of them were playing, though. They're- but Kasim Hill is just more of a pro-style guy. He can make the throws around the field and can really, to me, can dictate the offense better. Well, I think something else that's going to play into this situation is we don't have any proven receivers in the roster, which means it's going to be a lot more in the quarterback to make plays, which kind of, for me, points towards Piggy more because he can get out of the pocket and run around better. We don't have any, any proven receivers on this roster. No, but they have guys that they believe in. They have guys that they've recruited that have been set up and been in the system. 
I, I don't count this receiving core out in the least bit. But I just think Kasim's the better guy for the Canada offense, and I feel like that's who's going to get the job. You were talking about this, I remember, maybe a month ago or so. Which running back do you think is going to end up playing receiver? Or in a receiving role often because of the lack of receivers on the team? Oh, I think it's Anthony McFarland, 100%. Maryland has a, and it's been said by people outside of the Maryland community, mainly 24-7 and uh, Athlon Sports, Maryland's got a proven three-headed running back. They don't really need much more at that position. Also, they have guys like Javon Leak who have been seen as pretty good. But Anthony McFarland, he played a little bit of receiver at DeMatha. He's shown in those motion sets to be really effective. And with that Matt Canada jet sweep offense, I feel like McFarland's going to get a lot of touches. So do you think Ty Johnson is the number one back without question? Do you think Lelo Harrison or somebody else can push him maybe taking away snap from him. Well, what you didn't see, or what you haven't said yet, and I don't know if you watched a lot of the LSUs or the NC States or the Tennessees back in the day, all being Matt Canada's offenses, is let's just look back at the last two, two of the more famous college football running backs in the past two years. Darius Geis and Leonard Fournette. They were premier, they were feature backs. So I don't know how he's going to work with these three backs. One of them, there won't be any 10 carries in 200-yard Ty Johnson games. He gets going, he's going to stick with them. Now, how he works the other guys in, I'm not so sure. But if this is now or it's the future, Javon Leak is a really good Matt Canada running back. I wouldn't count him out of the race of getting some games where he gets a ton of carries. That That is true that he utilizes workhorse backs more than some people might think. I, I don't know how these all, all the running backs factor in because just thinking about it now, you got Ty Johnson, Lolo Harrison, Anthony McFarlane, Jake Funk, Javon Leak, and I think there's another one that I'm forgetting. They all need to see the field somehow. They're some of the best players. Well, there's Anthony have. McFarland, a five-star running back. I think I said him, but if I didn't, that makes, what, six? Five or six really good running backs who should be playing in some f- fashion. I don't know how he's going to work them all in. He probably won't. Someone's going to have to sit. Someone's going to leave. Someone's going to get mad. Someone just won't work in the offense. Well, you mentioned that Jake Funk could see time at DB next year. Do you think that's still the No, game? no, they they continuously deny that. And Jake Funk, when Jake Funk scores, the team wins. When Jake Funk is the guy by the goal line right now. He's a power back. He's a workhorse back. He's a Maryland kid. He's really good for the program. I agree. And he might be, as we keep saying, he might be a pathway into Brian Breesey, the number one player who also went to the Dam- who was still actually attending Damascus. They're, he's very good for the program. We need local kids, but he, I just don't see how they're all going to play. Well, it's not so much that. It's Jake Funk was the number one public school player. Most I, I don't know if you can say that. He was definitely the most one of the more famous ones in the recent years, being able to run for so many yards and playing for such a dominant team that's still dominant to this day, actually, to the fact where he was sitting on the bench at the beginning of the second half of a state championship game. Yeah, there's no question that... So, well, you didn't let me finish. What you want is you want players like that. Players that know how to win and that are on the really successful teams around the area that will lead you to guys who are rated better. I don't know, really, Brian Breesey, he's a five-star. He's proven something, obviously. But he's really gone against the normal thing that only prep school kids can be good, and I feel like that's big around here, especially where there's so much talent. That's definitely possible that there's a stigma exists. But I think that he's the, he's the number one player in the country. He's the undisputed number one player, and he plays in public school. That says a lot. 
I also think it makes it easier for us to get to him because he's in public school. That's and, not true. I think it is. No, it's not. Why is it not? Ohio State's on his trail. Alabama. Auburn. That's Clemson. Not, Everyone will be recruiting him. If you are good, people will find you. That's not what I was for him, trying to say. For him. That's not always true, especially with the public schools. But it doesn't give us any advantage that he's in public school. I think it does because that pipeline that exists with private schools, the WCAC pipeline, is not in play here. We may have the inside track as far as pipeline go, which is definitely not the case in the WCAC. Or I don't know about that. Or in Gilman or any of these other schools, you see Alabama and Ohio State regularly swooping in. No. No. You're wrong about that. The pipelines are Michigan and Gilman. There there aren't set pipelines. There are. It's not from it's not from a place other than Michigan and Gilman to any s- certain school. Well, I don't think that's the case because of pl- guys like Mike Loxley at Alabama who are able to cut into the DC They don't area. cut in. Mike Loxley has his guys. The Diggs were Mike Loxley guys. The Davises, Mike Loxley guys. But he doesn't have any set school that he's going into and recruiting. But those guys make connections with more guys. No. No, yeah. they don't. Adam McClain, and I, this is a perfect example. We're getting a little bit off track here. Adam McClain is retweeting this guy that plays for Miami. They know each other, but it's not like Adam McClain was like, hey, come play with me at Maryland, and he's just going to do it. People always do what they want to do. That's I don't think that's true. I think players want to play with other players often. You get players that come as packages. It happens. Yeah, but you got guys that want to go play for the U, and then you got guys that want to come play for Maryland. There's differences. It's not like, oh, my best friend's going to, or they're not really best friends. They're just friends. Goes to, I don't know, let's say, keep it going, Georgia, and I get an offer from Georgia. I'm going to be in intrigued to go there, but I'm not certain that I'm going there just because so-and-so is going there. I know, but that can get you in the door, and Maryland has played this kind of, this it's almost like an NBA super team kind of game. They play this sort of thing before. when um With the Woodson High School thing, when they're trying to get Malachi Salahuddin, who ended up a pit, by the way, four-star running back, they got the three three stars that were there to try to kind of make him want to go to Maryland. I don't think that's true at all. You didn't think they wanted Vincent Flight, the guy who's expected to almost play this year? I don't think I do think they want him, and I don't think I, I think they wanted them, I and I I don't think that that's valid. Of course they wanted him, and of course it would have been great if they got him. But he he decommitted from USC and looked at Maryland, and it didn't work. So they're not always trying to play this game of let's see who we can get by recruiting the lesser players from I that school. I don't think that's exclusively why they recruit the players. No, but I don't think it hurts either. It like, doesn't hurt. But that's not that's not a strategy. That's hoping. I think, Hope is not a strategy, Jordan. Oh my god. I I know that, Mason. And I'm just saying I don't think it hurts, but I don't remember what you're talking about in the first place now. So No, we were talking about what's gonna happen this football season. Oh. Um okay then I guess. So what's our record gonna be this year, Mason? You're always optimistic about this stuff. Uh okay. Jordan, last year. I could have been right. Yeah, you could have been right. No, no. I was... If they had one of those two quarterbacks, I could have been right. They wouldn't have lost to Rutgers. They wouldn't have lost to Michigan State. Hold on. Let me pull up the schedule for last year so you can prove where you went wrong. Okay. We lost one of them in the Texas... Okay. We lost them in Texas... And UCF. 
we lose to UCF. I'm not going to say they would have won that game. In retrospect, that was not a bad loss, no. And then they go on to beat Minnesota. They would have lost to Ohio State. That Northwestern game, it could have changed if Maryland had a quarterback. The main thing was they couldn't hold on to the ball. They would have beaten Rutgers. They would have beaten Michigan State. I mean, that Michigan State... That puts them at six, doesn't it? Yeah, but you had them at like eight, I believe. I had them at eight, and obviously some things could have changed it. Because they would have had a ridiculous amount of momentum. In what case, though? We still would have lost to UCF, who we did not know... Oh, actually, you really can't say that. I mean, it's hard to say... They were competing hard with them. It's hard to say you would have beaten them in retrospect, too, though. But they were early. They didn't have all the momentum. They weren't completely ready. I mean, I guess. They were good, but in that game, by the end of the season, they were that good. But in that game, I don't know. But, yeah, I'll give it to you. Okay, fine. I was two games off, but things could have gone a different way. Let's just say that. Yeah, they could have broken a different way. This year, I do have them again beating Texas. Okay. And I'll have to come up with a reason because I can't sell part last year's. I will have them defeating Bowling Green, beating Temple, beating Minnesota. So what does that put them at? They're 4-0 going into the bye week, which is September 29th. But Maryland always loses to the bye week. Remember that. Okay, yeah, I do have them losing to the bye week. They're going to go to Michigan. They're, I don't think they'll get slaughtered because everyone's like Shea Patterson, the former Ole Miss quarterback, is going to make big things happen in Michigan. But I I don't know. They have a tough schedule. It is their homecoming game. I do have Michigan winning. Then Maryland goes on to Rutgers. They're going to win that game. They have struggled with Rutgers recently, Jordan. Oh, yeah, they have. Ever since that Ralph Friesian game, Rutgers has been kind of a boogeyman for Maryland, which is ridiculous in itself. I do think Maryland will go to Iowa and compete, but I don't see them winning, so that puts them at 5-2. and two. Which is pretty good, but you know, Maryland's always going to have the slaughterhouse on them. But that won't start for a little bit as they'll go on to play. Finally, Illinois, Lovey Smith, said to be the coach that will be on the hot seat by the end of the season, and that's why Maryland will beat them. Well, that's not necessarily true. You know, hot seat coaches can sometimes get more out of well, their players. Well, but, you know, it's, it's Illinois, Jordan. They haven't been good in years. You never know. Okay, Okay. yeah, obviously you never know, but that's why we even talk about this. What's the point of talking about this if you never know? You never know. It's, it's something interesting to talk about. I think Maryland's going to beat them. Okay. And then, of course, we have to play the usuals. Michigan State, last time they came to College Park, Maryland won 20-17. to Apparently, I wasn't there. That's one of the few Maryland games I've actually missed at Maryland Stadium. But apparently it was a sight to see Maryland beating one of the Big Ten powers. I think it's going to happen again. Uh, Brian Lewerke, not proven. A lot of people are saying he could be the breakout player of the year in the league. I don't know. He's just, he's not too good to me. They haven't really had a quarterback in years at this point. No, they have not had a really steady presence since Connor Cook. Um, it, at Indiana. They're going to win. That seems like a trap game to me. That's a trap game. It is a trap. It is a trap game. I have Maryland right now at 7-2. and two, And probably still unranked, honestly. I mean, they haven't beaten anybody necessarily. They're like one of those teams that really doesn't beat anybody and then plays a team and probably will get hammered. But they're going to beat Indiana. They're going to make it to 8-2. and two. People will be talking going into that Ohio State game. 
Well, the Ohio State game, looking at the schedule, is a trap game for Ohio State. I will say that. Yeah, they're coming off of Nebraska, who's going to be tough to beat this year. At Michigan State, always a tough game for Ohio State. Then they have to come to College Park, which if Maryland's 8-2, and two, will definitely be rocking for once. Yeah, but it's going to be Ohio State fans still. No, it still will not. There will be more Maryland people there because the people who sell their tickets for the game might not. Okay, I guess. I, I, mean, I don't if know. If Maryland's 8-2, and two, then Maryland fans will actually want to see. I hope you're right, but those Ohio State fans show up in droves. And they still probably will be, but I I think it'll be more of a 70-30, 60-40 split instead of a 50-50. I'll take it. So will I. So, But Maryland will lose. <laughs> and Dwayne Haskins will come to Maryland and win, which I will not be too happy about. We can get to the Dwayne Haskins situation later. Rounded off at Penn State, who will be coming off playing Rutgers. Well... Here's the thing about Penn State. They are known as the hardest team to predict this year in the league. Yeah, they're missing probably the best player in college football overall in Saquon Barkley. And now it's all on Trace McSorley. So what happens to Penn State? Who knows? A hot Maryland team could give them problems, but just for to keep myself safe here, I'm going to say Maryland loses and ends up 8-4. and four. So I think the Terps are a 7-5, 8-4 team this year, as do a lot of people. But I... I'm always a pessimist and always a cynic, and I do not agree. So what happens? They lose to Texas? I think Texas will wreck Maryland in week one. I okay. think we will see a massacre because Texas Texas got together in the last season. No, they didn't. They ended up... They won a bowl game, 7-6, and six, beat Minnesota. Okay, that's better than we did. They Well, they didn't have... But they kind of did. No, they didn't. They had issues. Maybe. They had Bouchelle, who went down, and then they found Sam Ellinger, who's a five-star, comes off the bench and takes over. And he's supposedly going to be the starter of this year. And then they went back and forth between the two. But they weren't going back and forth between Bortenschlager and Ryan Brand. They were going back between a four-star and a five-star. I just think Texas is going to have it together this year. I don't know if they're going to be back, but I think they'll have it together. Oh, they're not going to be back. It's not gonna be. There's gonna be no Brett Musburger. Texas is back, baby. Then they go two and ten or whatever, four and eight, whatever that was. Okay, yeah, calm down, Mason. I think we're gonna lose to Texas. I think we will win at Bowling Green. That's a shocker. Hey, we'll beat. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't count out the Bowling Green and the Temple. Lesson learned. We're in Dietzel. Two thousand. What was that? Two thousand thirteen. Thirteen. Um, Bowling Green Temple. I'll count as wins. I'll give us the Minnesota game. But I think I'm much less sure about that than you are, Mason. Oh, so I'm not sure about that. We almost lost to them last year. Beat them with Bordy. Uh, the year before, we got absolutely hammered by them when Piggy played. Yeah, that was a disaster. Um, at Michigan, I got us losing. That puts us at, what was that, 3-2. and two. Rutgers, I'll give it the win, putting it 4-2. I think we're going to lose to Iowa at 4-3. and three. Oh, Illinois. This this just has trap games smeared on it to me. They're not trap games when you're 4-3. and three. But I, I don't know. We, we're just so excited to play Illinois. <laughs> hey, like... hey, hey. These players are excited to play football. You will not say, I will not take that on this podcast, that DJ Durkin does not get these kids excited. I, I didn't say that. No, no. You said, oh, we're so excited to play Illinois. That's, I was being... People like you and me. Shh. But no, no. You I will not being... say. They will... 
play whoever steps on the field against them. I was being sarcastic in that our fan base is so excited to play them that I feel like we have to lose because of that. No. They, they, the fan base does not matter. It, it only matters to whatever extent you allow it to. But these players will get themselves hyped up to play other teams. This is a different kind of thing. It's a coaching staff that we haven't had probably since the early Ralph years. The amount of energy that they bring, you can't say that, oh, because there's going to be no fans, they'll lose. That's not what I was saying, Mason. You need to calm yourself down and listen to me. It was a joke because the fan base is like, oh my God, thank the Lord, we're playing Illinois. The arc has come for us. No. That is not the mentality you need to have in the Big Ten. Yes, it is. You know, how bad, you know how bad Illinois is? No, I don't actively keep up with Illinois football, believe it or not. They are bad. So, I don't know. Make your decision. I'm, I'm, I'm almost – I cannot believe you just – DJ Durkin, I have almost 100% belief in. I am not – I am not diminishing DJ Durkin, Mason. I'm simply saying this fan base is too excited to play them. Okay, fine. Did they win or did they lose? I'll give us a win by like 24 to 23 or something. Hey, like- I'll take any wins. Especially from you. You're, you're just so like negative about this. It's- I've been around too long. I've seen... I, I still remember the Boston College game from 2011. Uh, that- 11? 12, sorry. 13. Um, yeah, you're right, my bad. That, that no, was- 14. No, 14 was our first year in. It, it was 13. Um, anyway, that, that game, just, I have not recovered from that game. That, that was it for me. Okay, we get it. Randy ruined Maryland. You're not the only person to say that, but. Um, okay, so now we're on to the Michigan State game, which I know you're going to say is a loss, so I just want to even talk about it. I'm going to say we're going to beat Michigan State. Oh, that was just a, a that five, was just a fist fake. And then we're going to lose to Indiana. Putting a 5-5 five and five going into Ohio State and Penn State, which will put us at 5-7. and seven. Or we can pull off a miracle in Beaver Stadium and get Another six and six. Miracle. Okay. Actually, you know, yesterday we were talking about this when we were getting on the plane, actually, coming back from Vancouver, and Jordan goes, they're going four and eight. And I said, there's no way that they go four, unless, you know, injury sparing, that they go four and eight. No, and I think, I think there's a way. There's definitely a way to go four and eight on the schedule, and we can do it. But I don't think it happens this year. I will put us... Back in the quick lane bowl. They they can't go back to the quick lane bowl. No, you're right. We can't. Thank God. I, I don't know where we're going to end up. Maybe we'll finally have the pinstripe bowl. Hasn't been promised for years. Oh, I, I, I don't understand why they don't put us in the pinstripe bowl. I don't know. I was reading the bowls and regulations agreements for the Big Ten. And, I mean, there's, we're running out of places to go unless we're going to end up in like the heart of Dallas Bowl or something. Oh, God. Hey, I, I, I'd go to Dallas. I haven't been to Dallas before. Well, you see, the thing is we wouldn't go to Dallas, though. Uh, probably not. And were, were some of the Maryland faithful, the Maryland media faithful, the Maryland fans faithful? I mean, this house has everything. But yet these bowl games, I mean, they cost a lot. The time of the year, everything about it. And it they, just, it costs money. It costs a lot to go. And I mean, even look at a team like Texas. They played in the heart of Dallas Bowl and there weren't even that many people there. Because these games cost a fortune to go to, for those of you who aren't like looking to go. These are expensive games. The bowl game tickets, I mean. Not to even... Not the tickets. It's the, you, you have to go there. You got to pay for the food, the hotel, the tickets. Yeah, it all adds up. So, 
You have to drive and or fly there? I mean... Well, the, the relevancy of bowl games aside, this will be a very telling year, I think, for the Dorkin regime. I do too, but I'm not counting them out if they don't make a bowl this year. They're it, building. There's a lot of circumstances that need to go around. Okay. You know, the thing about it is, there was a time where Randy and Loxley actually had a good team, a decent enough team, when they had Stephon Diggs, Deion Long, C.J. Brown. But by the time they were gone, you got to remember, there wasn't much left. Diggs was gone, Sean Davis gone, Deion Long gone. I mean, they didn't leave a lot, so they've been building. I hope you're right, but I think if we don't make a bowl game this year... This is going... DJ's going to be the hot seat next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. But I wouldn't count him out if not that many good things happen this year. And that's where we're going to leave this. We're going to go in-depth on the games in the coming weeks, starting off with the big one against Texas and FedEx Field. Only 41 days away. And on the uh, non-college side, only two weeks away from the Hall of Fame game in the preseason. Hey, I'm excited. Football's almost back. And we're getting to that time where it's time to start talking Maryland football as practice starts this week. And that's going to do it for this week's podcast. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors, Viner Fourgates. They built TerpTalk.com and In the Crease Lacks, along with Jordan Nye's Redskins site, Talk Redskins. And they can build a website for you. And we have been proud to work with Viner Fourgates for so many years. This podcast was brought to you by Watercrafters. In the Gaithersburg Air Park, you can visit them for all your swimming pool needs. Jordan, any last words on this week's podcast? Uh, Mason and I's, I don't know what you want to call it, duct tape and uh, spit microphone setup has been completed. And I hope it sounds better because this was not easy to make. No, it did take some time. took a decent amount of Amazon ordering. And for once, actually, Amazon lost one of my packages. I was actually surprised. I've never seen that happen before, but... It's all here now, so I hope you guys so, noticed the difference. Yeah, we hope it sounds better, and we definitely liked, enjoyed looking at all the things that it took to make it. And as always, we'll be back on the regular schedule. That means next Friday, which we'll start talking football. And as always, thanks for listening.